0: Shut up. You shut up. You shut up. Why don't you shut the hell
1: up? Do you want to fight? You want to fight me? Yeah. I'm probably not going to fight you, but I bet you my friend would.
0: Oh, yeah? Who's that?
1: Mark Holst. Used to fight in the UFC. Welcome to Second Story. I'm Josh.
0: I'm not introduce myself.
1: Are you serious? This time you're not introducing? You told me in the text beforehand that you're going to introduce yourself. No, I said you introduce. Okay, okay. Go again. For fuck's sakes. All right. No, 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 let's keep that in. You can introduce yourself now. All right. I'm Corey. All right. There you go. And with us today, former UFC fighter, Mark Holes. What's up, Mark?
2: What is up?
1: caught you mid drink there maybe i'll maybe i'll do the same just so we yeah me too consistency on the show cheers everybody just
2: quick cheers before we start yeah
1: there we go yeah of course so mark how are things
2: um pretty weird you caught me at a yeah you caught me at a weird uh weird time in my life actually oh for real (laughs) oh let's get into that's perfect
1: let's get into that a little bit how about that Good weird or bad
2: weird? Bad weird. Yeah. Oh. oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You... It's uh, it's about my gyms. So I don't know if you saw or heard or whatever, uh, but uh, two of my gyms uh, were vandalized and burnt. Oh, no, and
1: I didn't burned. hear
2: that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Cobra Kai is kind of like, it's real, bro.
1: You got uh, a real situation broken. going on. Yeah. Damn, that sucks, yeah. dude.
2: I mean, insurance is taking care of all of it. So we'll get brand new everything. But do they it have kind of sense to have to do all that insurance stuff and this and that and try to like push all the students to a different location in Manitick and yeah man it's been it's been a crazy two weeks. <laughs> Damn, do they have any sucks. idea who it was or what's going on? Yeah, there? probably like a rival gym or some shit like that. You know, it's just really.
1: Jobs.
2: Yeah, it's so Cobra Kai, bro. You, have you watched what?
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. some serious stuff. Damn. Dude. Yeah success right
1: uh, i guess do you do you feel like you got enemies in the in
2: the gym game maybe not yeah it's hard to say it's hard to say people are like you know so nice to your face but you never know right but then they're burning your shit down like that's how that's how it goes like yeah man craziness ottawa look at josh's face he's like (laughs) <laughs> you didn't expect that, eh? <laughs> well,
1: I'm, honestly, the wheels are turning on
2: another book. Yeah,
1: no, I'm I'm thinking about wow, I might have to write another book about something like this.
2: <laughs> oh, bro, Maybe. man, me, me and my partner Nick, we got we got books on books, bro. We got so many crazy stories through this racket. The martial art world is crazy, right? and some, sometimes good crazy or funny crazy, but it just so happens that I don't know that <laughs> this time is a, a, a negative crazy, you know, but. It is what it is, you know?
1: What What's the craziest thing that ever happened at, like, an event you were at? So, somewhere abroad, not necessarily in Ottawa, because we already know that people are, are burning up your shit in Ottawa, but what's the craziest thing that happened when you were elsewhere doing a martial
2: arts thing? Doing a martial art thing? I mean, pff, like, uh, like in the fight world more? Like, fighting?
1: Yeah, more professional than, than personal, I guess. Like, in an event that was actually, like, something you, you went to to... To fight or to or with a fighter or something like that.
2: Um, I had to chase this Argentini Argentinian uh, promoter for my money, oh, for geez. my my one thousand US dollars purse <laughs> in but, Buenos Aires. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, there's just crazy stuff like that, you know.
0: <laughs> so how how did that go? Uh, well, did you
2: catch him or what? I did. Yeah, yeah. My my manager did catch him, and we got it so I got paid um, there's other like promotions in the States that like paid me like two three months after my fight there's also this crazy story um, in Thailand obviously like <clears throat> so many fights are happening there and, and uh, it's not for a lot and my trainer decided to give my the money I was supposed to get to my opponent because I beat him up so badly so, and I just found that out after I was like, yo, where's my, like, I don't know, it's probably like 300 bucks. He's like, oh, I gave it to your opponent. He's going to need it. <laughs> I was like, All right, <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> I never, I never did the shit for the money. Right. So. Damn. <coughs> so. yeah. Were you
0: fighting a lot, Mark? Uh, were you fighting a lot of amateur before you went, before you got to UFC?
2: Like how many fights did you have prior? So like in boxing world, like you get like hundreds of amateur fights, as you guys know, before you turn pro, but in, in Muay Thai and MMA, when I first started, there wasn't that. So I had six amateur kickboxing fights, not even like Muay Thai fights. And, uh, and then, and then I jumped right into, as a pro, like we didn't have a choice to turn pro. Okay. And like, sometimes the pro, pro, pro fighting can be a bit of a circus, I don't know if you guys seen, like, this, like, event. It's, like, circus fight or some shit like that. And it's, like, <laughs> For you know, like, in Russia, like, they have, like, you know, I don't know, like, midgets fighting each other and one arm. no, Got two guys with no arms fighting each other. You guys seen that? I, I've no? heard of this. No. I've heard of this. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard seen of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, like, back... Back when it first started, there was like the actual pros and like like guys like GSP and David Loizzo and all all the greats, right? But then there was also like guys that are like their record would be like zero and twelve, you know, like just and they would fight pro for for a little bit of money here and yeah. there. So it's kind of crazy. That'd be me if
1: I turned pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be, z- I'd be Glenn- zero, 0 and twelve.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Kolka fought fought uh, pro MMA in Ottawa, right? So.
1: Yeah, he He's was uh, he was a wrestler, he was pro uh, yeah. MMA, he was in the CFL, he owned a bunch of gyms. He oh, actually, yeah. he fought Edge, if anyone knows Edge the wrestler. Edge's second match yeah. ever was in Ottawa oh, in like 1997, it was against Glenn Kalka, yeah. I remember because I was there, and Edge is still
2: wrestling. Yeah, did you see the Brood re- reunion?
1: Yeah. With yeah. Christian? Yeah, yeah him and awesome. Christian are still buddies, yeah, they go to the Leaf games and stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's cool to see. You had a question, Corey?
0: No, I was just gonna say, like, what? uh, So, how did you get to the UFC? Like, what led to that? Did they see a fight? Did they? Did you reach out? Like, how's that work?
2: So, um, the one fight. So, like this guy that broke his leg. His name is Corey Hill. He's no longer with us uh, now. Rest in peace. Um, he broke his, he was, the, you know how Anderson Silva like broke his shin bone. He yeah. was like the first guy on UFC that completely broke his shin bone. Yeah. And then the UFC kind of like let him go, um, recover and then like fight on smaller shows to like, you know, get back in the, U- not like, not come back after that in the UFC, just like on small shows. And then they matched him up with me. So okay. he already made it in the, in the show, in the UFC. And then I beat him and uh and then that was my my way into to, to to the ufc because i beat a ufc guy it's kind of like one of those and then that was done to me five or six years later leo santos he's like won everything in jiu-jitsu i don't even know why i was fighting him but he fought me uh in uh, jordan in amman um and uh because i was your ex-ufc guy boom he beat me and then he he got the shot to go in the UFC. And he, he had a pretty good run as well. So, okay.
1: So you, you beat Corey Hill and then you got, your next fight was on shot. the ultimate fighter, right?
2: Uh, yes. Ultimate fighter. But so like the way I did it was, uh, I tried out for the ultimate fighter. It was GSP and class check, the two coaches. Wow. And, uh, I remember going to, it was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, I remember like, 300 people like just lining up to to talk to the at the time it was spike tv and Dana white and all that and then like people would like dress up and like stick out and this and that and uh you had to do some training in front of like the spike tv crew and Dana white and i was just like smashing the pads and then like and then after that you have to roll right with like other fighters that are trying out in front of Dan white and all the the spike tv so it's like then it was like, okay, like, let's, you know, let's not pop each other's knee out. Let's go relax. Like, just, we just want to see you guys move and this and that. And then the first thing I do is like, I slap, shake hands with the guy I was paired up with. And like, he was going to ham on me and trying to pop my knee out. So then I popped his knee out. So <laughs> they were like, oh shit. So... So after, <laughs> so I can't make this shit up, right? So after, so that's the first part of the trial. And then the second part that I went through was uh, they f- flew us out to Vegas. Uh, maybe I think it was like 20 of us. And then to do the Spike TV interviews. And uh, uh, I remember like talking like my story and saying like who I am and this and that. And like the Spike TV people were like, just like not impressed. They're like... <laughs> You're just some freaking boring Canadian white guy, you know, like, like who cares about you, you know, like you're not TV guy, right? So two, three weeks later, Spike TV, uh, the Ultimate Fighter show called me and they're like, hey, sorry, you didn't make the cut of the, the second tryout. And I was like, oh, what did I do wrong, this, that. And they're like, no, it's just not your time, blah, blah, blah. Three weeks later, they call me and they're like, hey, here's a four fight contract deal come and fight for us. So I was like blown away because like as all time, like it was my dream, right? For since I have 15 year old papers, like, you know, like um, uh, like kind of like goal setting papers. When I was 15, my sensei made me write that out. And I wrote that, that to make it to UFC, right? And at 25, exactly 10 years later, I actually get into the big show. So whenever they told me that I wasn't gonna go on the ultimate fighter season and like have to go, you know, fight in the house and to, to have a contract. And they said, you know, three weeks later, they're like, Hey, here's your contract. We want you to fight for the, the promotion. I was like blown away. Right. Because like, that's like the real way of getting it in as a fighter, not clowning around in a house TV show, this, that yeah, it's good exposure. Sure. A, a month later, I'm trained with George St. Pierre up in Montreal and he's like, Mark, I heard you got signed UFC. Congrats it's good that you didn't come because he was the coach on the ultimate fighter he's like bro it's so so good that you didn't go through the ultimate fighter show because the contract's complete shit So supposedly you get paid nothing and even though you win the whole fucking thing like yeah you have exposure and million followers or whatever it is but that doesn't matter because like whatever you're signed after that ultimate fighter if you win it that contract is like complete garbage so he told me that and i was like cool man that's 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 cool to have the heads up but yeah i was like super like blown away and honored that like they like who i was as a fighter and they're like yeah like fuck this house you know like yeah. come come fight for come fight for us you know so that's crazy yeah. was
0: was there so what year was that and was there any other like really well-known fighters in in the ultimate fighter at that time like that you would have been um, going up against in there
2: so I'm going to date myself now and be like a freaking dinosaur. So I fought, I fought for UFC 119 and 120. Okay. So I don't know what we're at now, but it's like 200, it's almost 300, right? So yeah, 288 like or something like that. Yeah. I'm old. Yeah. 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 So that was in 2010. And uh, yeah, like I fought on like a whole bunch of you know, different cards. I fought with like superstars on it. Like you know, obviously like UFC guys and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. Biz,
1: Michael Bisbing was one of them, wasn't he? is that right yeah um, yeah.
2: yeah Haki Sekiyama and Bisbing, I a thing fought yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah wow so wh- what was that phone call like for for you like when that phone call's over you've just realized your dream at 25 years old what's what's going through your head what do you like what's the first thing that you do after you get that phone call
2: yeah like like i said it was a roller coaster because the first phone call was like no you didn't make it to the house the ultimate fire show and then the second call a couple of weeks later of course they had to like i was distraught i was like the roller coaster i couldn't believe it and uh yeah i just remember you know walking over to my manager and my coaches my train partners and like just hugging them and be like we fucking did it you know it's a team thing there's no fighter in, on earth that can't go there by themselves you know like and uh and i, I was talking to one of my buddies a uh, uh a week ago about like looking back on my fighting career and like be like it's crazy how like you can be a champion and like really like you know have a good manager and to make sure that you're protected and and go up the ranks like for example george st pierre had an amazing manager and i think that's a big reason that he was like you know pump you guys know it's like the ratings and how you look you gotta fucking do like a little bit of fucking pump you got a tan you got you know it's all that bullshit right that a lot of people fighters That They don't think fighters go through, but at the end of the day, it's like that, right? So a manager to kind of like make all the smart decision and have experience is so, so important. And for me, like... I, I was telling my buddy, I was like, yeah, like, I, I wish I wondered if I would have, instead of picking 155 lightweight, like picking welterweight to fight at, like, maybe that would have changed the course of my fighting career, right? And still be, still be kicking ass right now, you know? So it's, it's crazy how just little decisions here and there, who you train with, team, exposure, this, that, good manager, bad manager. um Funny enough, do you guys know Ali, as I can't even say his name, Ali Azbir? Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: The manager, you know
2: yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that, so that was my manager. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> he's, shit. He's the he's the one that got me in the UFC. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's kind of he's, he's sketchy dude. He's pretty notorious, eh? <laughs> Notorious, yes. That's a yes, good way to put yes, it. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, like Habib's manager, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's crazy. Gauging and then like them. he had he had crazy ties to like uh, Osama bin Laden and all that. But then he was like a CIA informant. Like yeah. I, I'm I'm learning all this and I'm like. I'm like, that's all that to like that's all sure. that shit that I'm, Connor
0: was yelling at the one
2: uh that's right press conference. That's right. He was yelling yeah. Ali, guy. you little rat. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you little rat. <laughs> with <a stupid> accent. <laughs> but like that's all shit that's like going down, and I'm like I'm like clueless, you know, because I have like another like another fight manager Ottawa, so they talk to each other and then I'm like clueless, and then I find that out and I'm like, Oh fuck, like I gotta make sure my mom doesn't know this, you know? Like this <laughs> is sketchy.
0: Wow, that's crazy yeah so uh you you were 155 you said um what's that so you hear a lot about kind of the weight cut and and a lot of fighters doing that khabib is a a good example of someone who was kind of on their deathbed during a a really bad weight (laughs) cut so
2: how bad was that for you Oh, it was bad, bro. It was bad. Like I'm six feet tall. Like I'm 207 pounds right now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I mean, I got the dad bob. Like, like my, I'm, a, I'm a coach now, so I gotta like have that extra padding and whatnot. But like, I look, I think I look pretty healthy. You know, like six yeah. foot tall. Like it's not, you know, whatever. It's not so bad. But yeah, as a, as a lightweight, like, so I would have to have diet down from like 180 to 171. And then from 171, if I hit that number, I knew I could cut the rest uh, by a water load, little like tricks here and there of the trade in the sauna. Um, And then pretty much not, I would not eat for two days and I would not drink for one full day. Wow. And then I couldn't, and then I couldn't make it. And then I have the astronaut suit, go in the sauna, sweat, sweat, sweat. Yeah, and then hopefully step on the scale and not pass out and then just rehydrate after that. So like that's the thing. Like George St. Pierre, he's 5'11", right? And I'm 6. So a big thing that my strategy back then, which I think was kind of stupid, was like I'm a tall lightweight. I'm really tall for 155. So I'm going to have the reach advantage and I'm a striker first before a grappler. So I'm going to be able to like use my reach and this and that. But I was telling my buddy a couple of weeks ago I was like, "Man, like to put on muscle and like to you know th- th- probably be easier than freaking try to kill myself every fight camp right mm-hmm. to like go through it because you guys don't realize like like you're eating like a rabbit for a month so it's like how can you train hard when you're you're not like you don't have any carbs or very very limited carbs yeah and then you're literally killing yourself like 48 hours before you actually step on the scale and the big thing that i pass on to my fighters now and for me, it was such a big focus to make weight. I was always proud. I never missed weight in my entire fighting career. And um, I was always very proud of that. But like my mindset was always about making weight and not making weight and performing my best. Right. So now I'm passing on to the fighters be like, no, like we're not cutting weight. You're not doing this. You're not doing that it's it's like making weight is like there's nothing like that's like you sign a contract you have to honor that contract it's like it's it's a golf clap like good job you did your job of making weight but that's not what it's all about it's about fighting and performing and people like um like habib and they they make it work they have it down to science and alex Pereira and stuff but they like in that girl cyborg too that like fainted and stuff so it's like it's no joke you know like you see fighters like in australia a year ago this fighter girl died from cutting weight it's like it's no joke yeah and then another thing too like the brain supposedly is wrapped around with a whole bunch of water so it's like hmm let's dehydrate yourself completely and then go get punched in the head for the next 15 minutes that's smart that's pretty smart right it's like yeah yeah you, you hear a lot like a, a lot of people
0: talking about the weight cutting and and that it, it yep, kind of that practice bad. should actually be shifted a bit like there's a lot of fighters like colby and um uh so there, there's other ones even connor's been talking lately like about sticking to his own weight class and yeah i mean he, he's he's not so important. He looks like he's on roids right now, but um, <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But uh, yeah, it sounds like an important thing. And then what about you? Hear a lot about fighter pay. So my
2: first, so my first fight was in the Hall the uh, Robert Gertin Arena, uh, two thousand five. I got paid. So I got paid three hundred to show up, and then two hundred as a fight bonus. So five hundred dollars Canadian. And then my medicals, all right, with my doctor was 120 bucks. I had to get an EEG, which was 150 bucks. I had to get an MRI, which was 800 bucks, and I had to get blood work, which was 300 dollars. Plus, I think you have to get a registration as a license as a fighter for 100 dollars as well. So I was in the minus, <laughs> way in the minus. <laughs> oh, bro, man. Like I said, I never done this shit for the money, man. Like people. <laughs> People try. People try to get in there. It's like if you get money, great. If you don't get money, like it's one of those things, you know. And they're like you have all this young generation that are talking to me. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, I want to be a fighter, make mad cash. And I'm like, oh, bro, man. There's like one percent of them that that make make bank, you know.
1: Yeah. When you were cutting weight, did you did you have like a team or a nutritionist or like a, anything assisting
2: you, or was it like just your sort of like manager, who, who kind of helped with that? I kind of had a nutritionist that kind of gave me like, okay, like tilapia, white fish, asparagus, sweet potatoes a little bit. And then you can just keep cutting down. Then you have this water load trick that you trick your body. So you, you drink and it has to be distilled water. Cause that sucks even more strips of all the nutrients that you kind of need. So eight liters of water on Monday, eight liters on Tuesday, one liter on Wednesday zero liters on Thursday and then weigh in so that way you like that's called water load and then you just keep pissing right because your body's like just like oh my god that's like eight liters of water right so you keep pushing that then in the sauna you have uh, you have like coaches or train partners it's like the credit card trick so like whenever you sweat like the sweat is on top of your skin so then you don't sweat anymore right so you get your train partners to credit card your sweat off Um, and then that way more sweat can push out. Then you have the Albaline. Albaline is a makeup remover. So it opens up your pores. So you kick that on everywhere and then you just go in the sauna with the sauna suit and it just, Dude, some guys can sweat. Some guys can't. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. And all doing that with like being grumpy as fuck, not having any food and about to like fight. You know, you're a little hard out for <laughs> in 24 hours from now. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. It's like, fuck, why did I do this? <laughs> so, so that's what I'm saying. If I would have done 170, you know, like maybe put on muscle, like my frame's okay, like maybe what I would have had a different, you know, different path. But again, I picked, I picked the reach. You know, like being six feet tall, I was like, man. But listen, to, so you guys remember Corey Hill. I touch gloves with the bastard, and I look right up at him. The guy made 155. He's 6'7". How crazy is that? Holy God. That's insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. I couldn't believe it. 6'6 or 6'7, I forget. He's tall <laughs> as fuck. So then I didn't have any reach on the guy, you know? So it's like, why would I do that? You yeah, know?
1: there goes your advantage. But yeah.
2: Right? Exactly. And
1: That's how hard insane. is it?
0: how hard is it after the fact to switch weight class? Like, do you have to make a whole new contract for that, or what's the deal?
2: So no, so what I've been told with the UFC is they they don't like pe- fighters bouncing around too much. So if you're like a 155er, like crush it at 155, and then they'll sign you at 155. But say they look at me as a fighter and be like, oh, I had a couple 170 fights, I had one a 185 fight, and then a couple at one like what like who are you? Are you a lightweight? Are you a welterweight? Like yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like they want to kind of like assign to that. But like nowadays, I feel that people like you know. You know, look at Connor, how crazy he was at 145, right? And then now it's just like, boom, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So that's obviously, like, superstars that can happen. But, like, if you ever want to get signed, like, you should really focus at your weight class and, like, clean up that roster, you know, make a name for yourself. Because, like, that's how you can climb up in the rankings of, like, smaller promotions and be champion, right? Yeah. Like, the smaller promotions like PFL and Bellator and all that stuff. How hard are those promotions to get into
0: versus UFC, like Bellator and... Like, one championship and those,
2: like, what's the... One is pretty hard. One yeah. in UFC is top, top, top for sure. Um, yeah. And then the smaller ones, like, Bellator. And then we have a couple Canadian shows that are, like... Obviously, you just got to be connected and, you know... Okay. Now Nowadays, like, back in the days, anybody could sign, like like all of you guys could have signed up for a fight, you know, like I said, it was a bit of a, <laughs> no weight you know, classes, like, yeah, it was pretty cir- nuts. circus kind of thing, you know, <laughs> like you could, you could have literally went to a gym and be like, you know, if that gym's like kind of sketched and be like, yo, like put me on a fight card. Like yeah. I, I remember fight I'd never fought on, but on, on the res, there was a whole bunch of fights on the res. Yeah. So those are sketchy.
0: Well, they used to do uh like tank Abbott and stuff would fight like three times yeah. in a night. And yeah, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Did you ever uh, look at look at like a hockey player who fights like a, you know, an enforcer in hockey and be like, man, that guy didn't even have to cut weight. Like just (laughs) that guy gets to carb up and then jump on the ice and fight somebody. Did you ever look at that and be Uh, like, I should have went that route?
2: Maybe. Yeah. Too bad I can't skate, though. (laughs) Oh, damn. That's too bad. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But uh, no, like. Yeah, a little bit envious and sometimes, but again, I did it to myself. You know, I was just like listening to my manager and being like all in on one fifty five. So I don't have any regret. I just like I'm curious to know know like if I would rewind the clock, you know, like make a run at welterweight. Yeah, who knows yeah. one
1: One of the things that's come out a lot lately with uh, to stick on hockey, hockey enforcers. They talk about like. Um, there's a lot of articles and like documentaries about how nervous they would feel when they would go into a hockey game where they know they had to fight. So if the other team had a mm-hmm. fight or two, they, they would know, like, I got to fight this guy tonight. Can you talk about like, what were your nerves like when you would go into a fight night? Like, what was the feeling in the pit of your stomach as you sort of enter the building and know that you got to fight somebody that night?
2: Yeah, like, I mean, like some coaches and fighters say, oh, it gets easier and get used to it. I never had that. I was always got the crazy butterflies and this and that. But I felt that, like, hometown fights were a lot of pressure on me uh, because having, like, my mom there and family and, and friends and teammates and all that. Um, but you know what they say about the UFC jitters is no joke. After I, I, I fought my first UFC fight in Vegas, Uh, I remember going in the elevator because it was at the Palms Casino, so we had to go up and then out into into our rooms. And I'm all fucked up, like, you know, like probably concussed or, or or maybe not maybe actually maybe not even concussed but just like just the nerves and the adrenaline dump is like crazy so going in the elevator i just like yak everywhere like start puking and stuff like that and then uh and then i remember like the doors open and like it was almost like like a bachelorette party was gonna come in <laughs> i was like no, no no just take the next one <laughs> so so yeah but like yeah definitely like the nerves play a big thing and uh, i think as a fighter you just gotta like really like try to focus and 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 the mental prep that's something that like we train as fighters like so like physical um but there's a big saying in the fight game it's like it's like 80 percent of the fight game is mental so a lot of that like the confidence and knowing how to calm that uh, the, the nerves and the jitters is so so important and it's like like the old rocky style you know like you gotta have a fire you know but you can't like let the fire burn you out you know you gotta control it right so that's that's important for sure
0: What's your training? So are you Muay Thai? What's what's your main background? And
2: in- I'd say like Muay Thai. Yeah, Muay Thai is like my number one. And, and then um, unfortunately, Ottawa wasn't really big into wrestling, okay. so I had to go uh, to Montreal Wrestling Club later in my career to get some good wrestling. That's where I like linked up with George. Okay. And uh, you know Rory McDonald, uh, yeah. you know Olivier, all that, all those guys that are like great wrestlers.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and uh, and then start to train my wrestling, but like I was always a striker like, through and through from uh, from my first like martial art class. Like I, started, I have a background in karate then did like a lot of boxing with my my boxing coach who's from Mexico so it's like that's like you know mexican style boxing is like take take one shot to give yeah sorry take five shots to give one kind of thing that that style you know yeah yeah mexican um, boxers are badass though <laughs> yeah i was really lucky to have him and then Terio as a kickboxing coach so for striking i was really well kind of, like, set up, and also, like, I went to Thailand, like, six times. Um, And then for the jiu-jitsu, our jiu-jitsu team is really strong as well in Ottawa. But uh, what I tell all the MMA guys that are coming up is, like, the wrestling, I feel, is what makes – is the glue, right? Because, like, for me, I had my striking. I had my jiu-jitsu on the ground. But I was missing that wrestling component. And and if you have that wrestling component, you can pick where you're going to be. So if I'm a good – a better wrestler than Josh – I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna take you down and hold you down, but then say for example, Josh is is better on the ground than me, so I'll defend your takedown and keep it stand up and like keep popping you in the face, and then that'll be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like whoever has that wrestling advantage usually can get to the where they are comfortable to fight and where they're gonna win. So me having that that jujitsu.
0: The wrestlers have like a bit more of a strength and like ability to hold down or like you said pull pull
2: into wherever they need to be. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's those eras too, like the Pride eras, like that was the era of the strikers, and then like in the two thousand and five, that was like the the <laughs> the era of like jujitsu guys and then now the wrestlers are making a comeback. It's kinda like yeah. a wave, but now like I feel everybody's so well rounded and um and it's important to to have that wrestling component. So I didn't have that. So I just you know, for for me it was like I'm gonna stand all my fights is pretty much like I'm standing with the guy and then i fuck him up and then he's like oh shit i got to take him to the ground which he does cuz i have no fucking wrestling and then i just tap him out from there that's like always been my fights like that it's yeah. like the guys realize they can't they can't bang it out with me so then they take me down they shoot take me down and then i end up getting a submission so but i was always missing that like that wrestling defense you know like and that wrestling training yeah. yeah.
0: You go to a bar or walking down the street or something like the uh, there's there's probably more people trained in martial arts today than there ever has been.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's gained a lot. It's gained a lot. And then girls too. Now, like I remember at the dojo when I first started like to see a girl do jujitsu jitsu was like, Holy fuck. Like, you yeah. know, like what's going on? Like, is she okay or whatever? Cause it was literally in a room of fifty sweaty guys, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then now like at, with the kids, martial arts, like same thing. Right. And now it's like, I would say it's 50, 50, which was crazy, which is crazy. Cause it's changed a lot. And that's what, I'm not even, you know, like I'm 2003, I started 2002. Right. So Yeah. Even before that was probably even, even worse. Right. But yeah, it's, it's definitely gone mainstream. Uh, A lot of girls training and, uh, and then just a lot, a lot more guys as well. Obviously, maybe, I don't know, like for like the confidence side of things or the camaraderie as well too. So yeah. Yep. In the Barth fights, <laughs> you can't fuck around with anybody in the Barth. No, oh, that's
0: right. Like you, and they might not even look. You know, they might be a one fifty five pounder, right? <laughs> like, right, exactly. You don't know who you're
1: fucking with. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. How did you get the nickname Boots? Boots, because uh, I'll put the boots to you. So my specialty is the kicks, the head kicks. So I got a lot of those nice uh, highlight reel knockouts with the the boot to the head. So that's what's up. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. Did uh actually no, that's a lie. Oh, <laughs> that's no. the one thing I was <laughs> I was I was waiting. I was waiting if you're gonna like let me off the hook.
1: No, I was, so, you off. I was letting you off.
2: Yeah, okay, I'll give you guys the real thing since uh since we go way back. So at the gym, um I was the only French guy on the Quebec side, Jean-Guy rubber, rubber boots. Boot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's how I, <laughs> okay. I I don't like to say that story for obvious reason, but I'll say it on here. <laughs> nice. All right, we That's we good. can cut we can cut that if you want. We'll just leave the uh, nah, the head kicks. Right, <laughs> I'm I'm open book to you guys.
1: Um, did you ever have a fight where you where you were like, oh shit, like I'm in I'm in a fight for my
2: life? Do you ever have anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. So my coach, I remember him saying to one of my training partners, um at uh, at one point that he was like a substitute and then he was like he was fighting this killer right like one of my train partners and our coach went up to him and be like bro all you got to do is touch gloves and then kick him right in the balls as hard as you can and then that fight didn't end up happening because like my train partner was like yeah there's no chance i'm fighting this killer like i like my coach doesn't believe in us or all that right so um so fast forward five years from that comment i remember he said um i got signed to fight leo santos and jordan in, in iman and uh, that fight i was telling you about that you know he beat me to make it to the show um so i was kind of like just a step up for him right like the guy's like just 10 time world jiu-jitsu champion like just like next level like i'm going in there with a purple belt in jiu-jitsu you know like this guy's been black belt since like he's like teenager you know in jiu-jitsu brazilian blah 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 i mean i, I do have a puncher's chance and this and that and then right before the walkout, my coach goes up to me. He's like, okay, this is what you need to do. You touch gloves with him and you kick him as hard as you can in the balls. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. Uh. So then like walking out, I'm like, all right, I'm fucked. But I did tell myself one thing. And as I told myself, like if it does go to the ground, I'm not going to tap out. I'm going to go right to sleep. And then I managed to do that in front of thousands of people watching me. So that was nice. Wow. <laughs> what's no what's... That,
0: that probably takes some discipline right
2: yeah i think it's on youtube if you guys want to see me and take a tight snooze <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is it like to wake up from that i mean i've been knocked out before but not choked out put to sleep yeah yeah
2: it, it's it's uh, a it's it's not it's not that bad it's like literally you're waking up out of bed and you're like oh where am i and then that's it definitely knockout sucks i've been knocked out before because you're seeing like three of them and you just gotta like hit the one in the middle kind of thing yeah um but uh but getting choked out is not that bad It you go out quick and uh and then you come back quick too and it's like you're and then whenever you come to you're usually like convulsing a bit so it's like you can't control your body um but it's not it's not scary it's not like it's just like waking up in the morning wow
0: there's that there's that famous moment in uh habib's last fight there with gaichi when he he was about yeah. he could have broke his arm i think and then he he transferred and then choked him out instead because he he didn't want to injure him for a year you know
2: yeah yeah did you see him apologize to the corner as well no I didn't no yeah so so after he chokes him out he goes like this to the corner he's like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry like let's let's stay calm you know like because he put him asleep right yeah yeah he's pretty nice guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah pretty good dude
1: there was yeah, a there was a savage. fight years ago that you probably remember, Mark. I don't I don't remember who it was. I'm really bad with names, but there was a guy years ago who was in a fight and he was just getting destroyed. It was like the third round, and they they show him in the in his corner and his you know his team's talking to him and he's just like, "I'll fucking die in there. I don't care. Like I'm willing to die in there." And then he goes out and he ends up winning the fight in the fifth round. Yep. I can't remember who it was, but I just remember watching that and being like, "Dude, that guy is committed."
2: Yeah, I think it was. Wait, I think it was that Israel Desanya. Yes, yes. Izzy did say that. I think yeah. that was against Whitaker. Yeah, Izzy it? did say Daniel that. It's like I'm prepared. I'm prepared to die. Yeah, yeah. Whitaker. Was yeah, it yeah, Whitaker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah, the fight. Yeah. Got about with names, but yeah, yeah I remember that. I've just being the... like, dude, that guy's committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lives in like an anime world. That guy, I think he's he's not all there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he fought a
2: few times, didn't they? oh yeah yeah. yeah. he literally he probably thinks he's an actual like samurai you know like just living the code and like just slashing killing people yeah (laughs) but yeah he's something else for sure those athletes are yeah when you're at the top like that it's like you gotta be you can't be all there like george st pierre right like he's he's uh he's very uh I i don't know what to say like not maybe uh maybe a little bit like ADHD or or not ADHD, but like, just like, so like hyper-focused on everything. Like he can't like step on a crack of like the sidewalk. And like, after he beat Koscheck in Montreal, he took all his coaches and his team and he just beat, like he was in camp for two months, just beat the shit out of him for five rounds, retained his world championship, goes down South at like all-inclusive with all his coaches. He only lasts two days. Two days he's like sprinting up and down on the beach. You know, and then he goes to his jiu-jitsu coach, John Danaher, and he's like, yo, John, can, can, can we set up some mats and can we do some jiu-jitsu training, please? Like, And then John's like, no, man, like, you brought us down here to relax, you know, like, you just fought, you just won, like, bro, two days, bro, two days. That's crazy. Like, at the top, champions like that, they got to be, like, dialed right in, you know, like, there's something special yeah yeah
0: even today he's like that though eh george st pierre he's like i i follow him on instagram and he's every day just constantly working out and jumping in the ice the guy's retired
2: it's like what the hell it's like why are you doing it right like most fighters would and then he's not even a coach right so it's like why are you doing this? Are you coming back? Are you not? Yeah, he's not coming, <laughs> right? <back. laughs> no, he could. I hope not. He looks he's, like he could. He'd be smart. He's the only guy that retired at the top, right? Yeah. Like, I hope to God he doesn't. He doesn't need to prove any anything to anybody anymore. He's the champ. Yeah. He's the best. The goat. Yeah. That's he true.
1: has like a, a Michael Jordan level of commitment to the sport. Yep. Like, there's very few athletes who have ever been like GSP. That's such like, a good reference. Michael yeah. Jordan would be one of them, and it's. Oh, yeah. hard, hard to really think of too many others but yeah those would be yeah those would be two of them it's pretty wild
2: yeah the stories you hear about michael jordan eh? how crazy it was like about like you know losing at poker and then like betting all the, the the his hands that he lost that he would beat that team like more than 20 points and score this and score and then actually do it right it's like and then golfing too i hear he's like super into golf and and just like he'd get smashed by all these pros, but then he would get all his money back via betting on the games. It's like (laughs) crazy.
1: Yeah, and he would push his team too.
2: He was amazing at baseball too, eh? Yep.
1: Yeah. Well I mean he's a hell of a lot he was a hell of a lot better than I I would ever be in baseball. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, if he if he actually would have stuck to baseball, he he would have made it to the majors. He just he would have been like a pinch, you know, a bench player he would have been, hmm. you know, guy playing yeah. for league yeah. minimum, but he would have been he would have been there, just not yeah. the Michael yeah. Jordan that we know. That's right. No. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, GSP yeah. is definitely, yeah. definitely something special. Um so I I want to talk obviously like fighters are are different than every other athlete. Is there any athlete you've ever come across that plays anything else where you're like, oh, this guy's got kind of a fighters mentality or any other sport that you could draw like parallels? to fighting
2: foot i've coached some good football guys yeah some good football guys yeah yeah i've coached some good football guys obviously wrestlers it's an easy transition to mma uh, non-combat sport though i would say i'd say football guys for sure i've coached a lot of army guys i like army guys oh yeah okay oh bro man you say jump and they're like, how high, you know, like they're like so coachable. That's the best thing as a fighter, because like when you're fighting, it's like you're in there and you don't see outside of the box. Right. So you're hoping that your coaches can pick up on something that we can switch the game plan be like, okay, Josh, like he's open on the right side, you know, and, and you don't see that because you're like, you're defending yourself and I'm punching you in the face. So it's like, that's why I like being a coachable fighter is so, so, so important. And nowadays I feel like. I don't know if I can say this, but uh, fuck. sometimes they don't listen and they got to learn the hard way. And it's like, I just want to like shake their heads and be like, no, like I learned the hard way, you know, like learn from my experience. I, you don't have to go through this. I got you, you know, like this is, this is how it's done and this is what's up and so on and so forth. So like just the coachable and the kids, like my pet peeve is like when I'm coaching them, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I already yeah, know, yeah. I already like, know. It's like, yeah. oh my God. This like, the first oh, time
0: I'm hearing TV. it but I know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um so that being yeah. said, like do you um do you, yeah, this generation, do you find that that they're not as as committed as your generation was?
2: No, I just find it different. It's just different, you know, like with the with the kids like what they're going through and all this stuff that's happening in the world now, like yeah. In some ways, it's like it's like we we weren't there. We were the best in the '90s. I don't know how how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, I was born in '85, so like, man, we're the best. <laughs> that was the best of times ever. The '90s, right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's
1: just, that's
2: just how. I... <laughs> um, but no, the kids. So, you know, some of them are coachable. Some of them are coachable. But uh, not all of them. So it's like sometimes like, and then it's okay. It's okay. They'll learn the hard way and then they'll either quit or they'll learn the hard way and like mm-hmm. prove me wrong. I'd love that. I'd love that to, for them to do that. Or they'll learn the hard way and then come back to me and be like, okay, I'm ready to listen, coach. I'm like, thank you. Let's not lo- let's, let's not lose again, you know? Like <laughs>
0: When you talk about learning the hard way, do you look back on anything and kind of regret any decisions or is there, or do you feel that you've, uh, every everything that you done was to lead up to who you are today.
2: Um, I think I think I got signed a little bit too early if I go back. like again, like my manager at the time wasn't the best in that and not really experienced. So like going into UFC with like seven fights. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, (laughs) but sure. And then, uh, and then like, I look like some of these heavyweight record and I'm like, holy shit, like I have more fights than them and they're like champions and stuff like that. And it's like, Jesus. So, um, but I think, so that's the first thing, maybe like getting more experience outside of UFC because UFC is like, just it's on another level. Like the, like the guys are freaking killers. Like they like, Mm -hmm that's it like it's it's huge huge difference right so i was like crushing it i was seven and one but like you know fighting like fucking in canada and stuff like that fought a little bit internationally a little bit in the states but like not in like big promotions right and then i got signed to the ufc so i was like going back on it maybe i'd get more experience before getting signed okay um and then uh and then a hard loss my my only loss by it by knockout was like because I fought, I, I fought with emotions, right? And that's something I always like trying to calm my fighters in, in the ring and, and, you know, you know, fight with your head and be smart and do what do what we train in the gym, right? Don't just go berserker and Fu Manchu and crazy and try to attack the guy like nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we train like hard for months and months. And it's like, and then for you to just like go into a slugfest, like why, you know what I mean? So that's why sometimes like some of the fighters, I'm like disappointed in that. I was like, okay, like you know, you either win or you learn, but let's, let's, let's start winning more than, than learning, you know, like I like waiting, like I'm living vicariously through them, you know, I'm happy to be in the coach and uh, in the corner and stuff like that, you know, but, uh, and that's always been my plan. Same thing at 15, you know, I jotted it down. I was like, step-by-step step, be like, you know, kick ass, be a champion, open up a gym, pass it down, you know? So I'm like, literally like going through the plan that, that I draw at 15. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So like I said, the second, the second thing I regret is fighting with emotion. I remember the, the, the fight that I got knocked out, like the guy hit me with a clean jab. And then I remember like it was yesterday and I was just like winding up instead of like popping it nice and short and winding up and then boom. And then down I go, you know, like I wake up, the ref is like this in my face. I'm like, fuck, (laughs) (laughs) knocked out in front of all my friends, family, my mom I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, that that stung that stung so don't fight with your heart you gotta fight with your head you know
1: what uh, what was your mom's response to that (laughs) I can't imagine my mom oh
2: man Yeah. My mom was not impressed. She, uh, well, like all, a lot of my family, all is like academics, like a lot of like lawyers and stuff like that. So like for me to just stop after high school was like crazy. Like I remember fighting like mama, no, like going crazy. Like you'll see, I'll be more famous. I'll have more money and I'll be happier than all my cousins and this and that. Like just like (laughs) yelling at her and like arguing like that, you know, because (laughs) like, and then she's like, okay, but you got to finish your high school. like, okay, fine. And then, like, I just, and and she's been interviewed, like, so many times, and she always says in the interviews, which is cool, she's like, I had a choice to support my son and be, you know, in his corner and have his back and have that positive, you know, vibe and, and, you know, that positive Warrior spirit that I can give him, or go against him and then you know maybe mess him up mentally and this and that and and you know fight him through all of it. So she chose to like have my back and support me and and uh, yeah, that was pretty nice of her. I, I, I A surprise, but we did it and and that worked out after all, right? So I'm happy. She was always like, of, of course, like taking care of me with the, the nutrition side of things and going at all my fights and stuff like that. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You want to like it though. (laughs) I'm
1: sure sure no mothers like it. No, but it's, it's good that you had a mom that was, you know, support would maybe question you at times, but would, would ultimately support you. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, I was so young, right? So she was like, you don't know better, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's, I mean, it's insane that you made it there at 25. What, what was it like when you were kind of done at the UFC? Like it was over what, what went through your head? what, like what was running through you at that point?
2: So, so my first UFC fight was in Vegas. I lost that by decision, and then after that, they uh, they put me up against in England, uh, at the O2 Arena. Uh, I think it was like twenty five thousand people there booing my name.
1: That's a so big that arena. Was, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So I was fighting, of course, in English from Liverpool, and uh, yeah, that, was that it was not a fun walkout. Uh, Paul SASS. Oh, okay. Yeah. some, some those, jiu-jitsu guy <laughs> that was one <Yeah>. ufc 120 <laughs> yeah exactly and uh and then yeah like another thing i regret is like again like if they would have put me with like another striker like it would have been great to like put on a war and a show like that's what i'm known for is like standing and banging but like the first ufc fight they put me with a wrestler and then the second one was a jiu guy so i'd never really got sh- to showcase my my striking ability to to mr to uncle dana but that's okay That's I'm okay with it, but, uh, but no, like after the US, after I lost that, I was like, that's my first, I retired three times, uh, after fighting. So that was my first retirement after the UFC, I was like devastating, like gutted, like Oh, and two first guy from Ottawa to fight on the big show in the UFC and just like letting everybody down and this and that. And uh, you know, whatever, it's, it's funny. I remember this going through with the interviews, right? So I, I got signed in UFC. So of course, like all of Ottawa is like going crazy, like CTV and this and that interviews, like almost every day from my, through my fight camp. And, you know, I was telling you guys about like the mental and the confidence and the mental prep. And in my interviews, I remember saying over and over each one of my interview, I don't know why I would say it, but I was like, yeah, I'm like really nervous. Like I'm the first one from Ottawa, but I'm going to do my best and, and I won't let you guys down and, and this and that. And like, it's almost like in my head, like, like I had planned this for 10 years now that I'm going to make it to the UFC, but I never wrote down, I'm going to stay in the UFC you know what I mean? I never wrote down I'm gonna be uh, a champion in the UFC. I never like right. I have all that shit written down that I'm gonna make it to the UFC, but then nothing after, right? Yeah, right. So so that coupled with like you know obviously uh, you know other stuff you know whatever like curveballs here and there and just the fight game right like shit happens right it's the fight game. So after losing that fight uh, in uh, at the O2 arena. I was like gutted, devastated. I was like, okay, I'm done. So I retired for a year and then I came back and kept fighting after that and then retired again <laughs> and then kept fighting after that and then called it a, I called it a, a, a career when I had my first born, I told Jenna, my wife, I was like, okay, like as soon as I have my kid, like I've been lucky enough. I got punched in the head so many times, like, let's not push it more, you know? So I'll, I'll retire when I have, you know, my son is born. So I can't, can't go back on
1: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you'll have another fight on your hands yeah um, <laughs> but now you're at
0: a good point like you're you're you know own a gym right or do you own two yep. gyms did you say four you own four gyms wow okay yeah yep. so so now you're at that kind of passing on knowledge so from all right. of from all of what Talent. you've learned what are you what's the main piece of advice that you tell every student
2: be coachable <laughs> listen <laughs> to me <laughs> no um man just give it all your shot you know like i always teach in class like the two rules like do your best and don't give up you know so that's that's my two th- two things do your best don't give up i yelled that like literally five six times in a row <laughs> i think yeah. people are getting sick and tired of it but <laughs> but yeah like there's a lot in martial arts like it, it brings all the team together to camaraderie um you know, the loyalty, the honor, the respect, the confidence, like, man, people think martial arts is like punches and kicks, you know, it's like not that. And it's like, you ask any black belt and be like, yo, like, how, how much, how much would I pay a thousand dollars for your black belt? They'll be like, no, there's no chance I'm ever giving that, much, that belt ever back. Like what it's like, such the a belt journey. is the item, but like, it's, it's the journey. It's like what you gain from it, your confidence, your, your respect, your, you know, your character, your values, like, it's like so much more than punches and kicks and the uneducated, like mom and dads and this and that, like, I can see them sometimes like bring their teenage son like I was like back in the days and be like, ah, like, is he going to get hurt, this, that and and they, they think, you know, maybe we're like savages a bit, you know, like just rolling around and choking each other, you know, and I get it, it looks really bad. But behind all of that, there's like the the samurai honor code, you know, like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, you know, like if you see the the history behind martial arts and all martial arts, you know, like from karate to Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, all of them like they have that. That warrior spirit action so it's kind of cool to have that especially in nowadays this world yeah. <laughs> we need more of those <laughs> yeah definitely
0: yeah. yeah i saw uh dustin poirier he he had posted a quote on instagram um he had said uh, you have a choice between two pains the pain of discipline or the pain of regret hmm. i thought that was pretty cool i i don't think he wrote That's that cool. but i i thought it was a pretty cool quote and kind of goes along yeah. the line of a lot of things that you're saying tonight.
2: So, yeah, yeah. There's so many cool quotes. Martial art quotes are my favorite. They're like pretty badass and deep. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of good ones.
1: Yeah, you you opened when we jumped on before we actually started recording. You you used a quote from your sensei about showing up early.
2: That's it. Yeah. So if you're 15 minutes early, you're right on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm I, I'm a weird. you were saying yes sir oh yeah
1: the rest of the world could learn that for sure because nobody's on time anymore
2: punctuality yeah oh it drives me crazy bro it's like respect the time you know like it's like how can we have a good conversation right off the bat you're like you don't respect my time and you're late you know it's like what the fuck that's a bad start (laughs) no for real (laughs) it's it it is
1: it's it's about respect and yeah people yeah don't seem to respect other people i know i get we live in a, a much crazier world and people are yeah, you know have certain time constraints that everything's kind of back to back, but yeah, respecting other people's time is definitely super important. Um, Yeah. I didn't understand the whole camaraderie thing and like the team thing and fighting until I actually went to, to see fights and I, I went to see a mutual friend of ours, Mark Justin safely fight. And uh, he, he ended up winning that fight and seeing like all his teammates like swarm him after he won. I was like, Oh damn, this is actually, this is a team sport too. As much as team it's an individual yeah. sport, it is really is a team sport. It was yeah, it changed my perspective. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing people think like and I, I feel with a lot of mom and dads when they bring it's like, Oh, like little Billy's not not into team sport. We try him with soccer, we try him in baseball, we try him in basketball. Let's see if this stick and it does. And what's weird, it's like like I wanna tell them like yeah, like it's it's an individual sport but with a team so it's like it really brings out like the, the kids that are not into the the soccer hockey and all that stuff and they they just go right to us in martial arts and and really flourish there um but yeah but yeah for the fighters you have to have a strong team and the support system a hundred thousand percent and it's pretty cool because like you know you're a team so it's like we're all of us are fighters and we're like you know fighting each other all day every day but we're preparing for battle to fight another team right? Another fighter from another team. And then there's rivalries and, you know, and this and that, right? So it's kind of cool like that, you know?
0: And they're, they're very well trained as well. Um, That's right. Yeah. They're not, they're doing the same thing that we're doing, right? (laughs) I I think another cool thing about the camaraderie around martial arts. So I, I I grew up doing Taekwondo. I'm a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Um, But what I, what I find cool is that uh, as, as the people come up, in their different belts then they start teaching the younger people or the lower belts and it it's not really just one person up in front of the room it's everyone's teaching everybody which is is pretty cool to watch
2: yeah yeah that's exactly what happened to me I was like a green belt in karate and then my sensei told me i could go teach the tiny tigers the three four and five year olds i was like nice like this is (laughs) the best and passing it down and and then eventually teaching like higher belts and then other black belts and stuff like that so
0: I actually went, so I got to black's uh, red belt with a black stripe, which is right before black belt. I was probably thirteen, and then I left taekwondo, and I went back twenty years later, and I decided Sick. to start back over. So i I started right oh, back awesome. at white belt and went back through the Good. whole thing. That's that's the honorable way. I was like, like I, don't, I don't, I don't deserve it. Like, I don't, I don't have to, to start. give you a slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through the screen, bad. Yeah, no, I started right <laughs> that's back. That's the before. honorable
2: way. Yeah, a lot of jujitsu guys do that. They get their blue belts and then they quit for a couple years and then they come back and they put that belt aside and be like, "No, I want to start fresh." Well, I didn't complete. Like I didn't complete the journey, right? So for me, it was I, it. I wanted to take that journey
0: again, and you know, that's what happened. So, yep. Yeah. Now that awesome. that being said, I haven't trained for like three years, so
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to start eight, over but you again. Did it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, did you're, it. Your black belt. <laughs> yeah, now you got to start over again. In the state, in the states, you're a, you're considered a lethal weapon if you're a black belt. Oh, is that right? No. Yeah. You hear that, Sobolski? Don't fuck with me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, we're not in the states, so. <laughs> <laughs> and if we were in the states, just. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> P- pretty, easy, pretty easy. Pretty easy to get an right. AR-15. So I just get one of those, and then <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> best of luck to you. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the yeah. black belt any day. You're right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it. Um. What? So, Mark, you you talked a lot about like you, when you were 15, you had this list of goals, and you're like, "Want to? You know, I want to hit the UFC. I want to open. You know, have my own gyms." Do you have anything beyond that on your list? Like when you were a kid, beyond opening the gyms?
2: That was it. That was it. it. Step really? By step. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, just run the dojo. Pass it. Pass it down. Right. So, one thing that I've been working on right now is um. I feel that like the gym right now, like we have a lot of fighters and there's only one of me, right? So as a head coach, it's, and I have a big backup. I have a lot of great uh, coaches that can help me out and this and that. But right now, like what I'd like to do is like build a a good, strong fight team. And uh, because I went to the show, I'd like to get a guy to the show and pass it down in that way. So I'd like to get an Ottawa guy. I haven't found him or her yet. Um, but I'm sure, you know, I'm young, I'm 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 good to go as a coach. I I'm, I'm ready to do the work and scout it out and I'm patient and I want that kind of like rocky Mickey moment, you know, to like have that one guy to really like dedicate myself to and uh and take him all the way up. So obviously like they have to want it. So that's the that's not well, they have to want it and they have to do the work. Right. So that's, that's two different things, you know, to want it and be like, yeah, I want to go UFC. And then to actually like be in the gym 24 seven, it's like, you know, you got to show me. Right. So it's like, uh, I'm patient with it. I'm not rushing it. You know, I, I, I hope to have that moment before I pass, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to bring a guy to the show. You got, a, you got a lot of life left.
1: <clears throat>
0: do you got any hopefuls at all? Or you said you haven't found that yet.
2: Yeah, I have a couple hopefuls. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. That's for good. sure. And then what, what's, what's exciting about it as a coach is you never know, right? Like, like these guys, like, I've I've had so many fighters that keep crushing it and killing it and having like great like finishes and, and they're, 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 they're everything a champion can be. Um, but it's just the hard part is like keeping at it, you know, it's like a long road, right? It's like, for me, it was 10 years, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah.
1: Do yeah, you find that there are more distractions nowadays? Like, obviously there are in terms of like the, the way kids live. There's a lot more to occupy their time than there was when we were kids. We had like MSN (laughs) and like (laughs) like we would go to the movies and stuff like now kids have everything at their fingertips. The entire world is literally in the palm of their hands. Do you find that there are kids who are maybe you're hopeful about that kind of get sidetracked by life and other things and it kind of takes them away from from the oh, discipline, yeah. Or, oh yeah. yeah,
2: I've already had so many kids. I've had a couple guys, and be like, they're just like, oh, I'm gonna try this as a career and go be an architect or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you'll get more money. Good job. <laughs> 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 On to the next, you know. Like, I've I've had a lot of like, you know, I've had a couple that's like disappointing, you know, and stuff like that. But there's still a the good bunch of them that are very like hopeful and stuff like that. And not everybody. Some people just want to fight to fight and not be a champion. And I recognize that. Um, but yeah, talking about the distraction, like like even the videos, right? Like look at a TikTok, right? Like people don't have the attention span and it's like TikTok's like a five second video and that's it, right? So it's like everybody wants the easy way. And unfortunately for fighting, it's all about being literally stupid and repping out the same shit over and over and over and over again. Right. It's like you gotta be like stupid reps you know what I mean? And, and with the world, like you said, like, it's like a lot of distractions, like, yeah, there's a lot of distraction. But on top of that, it's like, I just feel that the way that people want it is like the right now kind of thing, you know, yeah. like, you know, Insta snacks and right away Uber eats and this like, it's like everything's like right now, like so convenient. Right. And fighting, if you think about it, it's not very convenient no. <laughs> kind of thing. Right. No. So, so it's like, and it's like whoever put in the most reps, you know, like that another famous saying, you know, the more sweat in the gym, the less, blood in the ring yeah so like and I, I say that all the time you know so it's like and if your opponent's training 10 hours like you need to do 12 hours a day you know like i don't care that's how bad you want it to, to win right so and <clears throat> you know but yeah it, it is tough with uh with that kind of like the, the the fight sport game kind of being diluted a little bit and and being uh being attacked in in that way as well too and with the fight promotions too i don't know I'm sure you guys see like some, you know, like the fight games kind of changed, you know, and now it's like how good you talk to and this and that. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of talking.
1: (laughs) It's it's a lot more like WWE, really, and it's it's funny that like they they've linked up now, uh, UFC and yeah yeah. WWE. It kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. Yep. But yeah, it is an entertainment. It is. It's interesting, like. People you, you talk about like people want instant gratification, like de- the whole idea of delaying gratification has almost become like, um, you know, passe. It's like a, of a bygone era. So like people aren't willing to like, I'll work now and I'll get rewarded later. Like people just don't want that anymore. And that's yeah. really is what fighting is. And even if you work hard, there's no guarantee that you even get that gratification later. Right. So that further d- deters people from doing it. So. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it, it is. Uh, it's interesting that it's gotten as big as it has because it kind of goes against everything that is going on in our culture right now. People don't yeah. want to work hard; they don't want to, you know, put in put in everything they have without the guarantee of like a payoff later. And that's what fighting is. There's there's no guarantee of a yeah. payoff. There's a guarantee of maybe that's getting it. punched out, but that's a that's <laughs> a completely different thing. Yeah.
2: Getting your eyeballs shut. Yeah. 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 I mean, man, you get you get your eye you get your hand raised for about three seconds, right? So that feeling's gotta be good and you gotta enjoy that thrill and the adrenaline and stuff like that. But like you said, there's no guarantee of you getting that hand raised for three seconds and then, you know, like motivation, yeah, you get a little bit more money, but not crazy amount more money, you know, if you win or lose. So it's like, yeah, you just gotta want it. You just gotta you just gotta be in it and in it to win it.
0: Do you find uh, some of the people now like they're uh, even the young people coming up saying, yeah I want to get there but are they wanting to get there because they see they see these people with the flashy money the Conor McGregor's, the Izzy like are is that the reason that they're wanting to do it or are they wanting to do it because they just want to
2: fight? That's a good question I don't even ask them that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just show up in the gym, and train. Let's see what you got. <laughs> but, but no, that's. I mean, like, that's one thing. Like, I would need to like ask them. But like, who knows if they would even tell me the truth, bro? Yeah. You know yeah. I mean, like, you you can you can say like, yeah, I want to be UFC champion, this and that. But like, and then why do you want it? And ask all these questions. But like, is that person going to be genuine and and actually like go? deep down in the basement and give you the real answers like why they're doing this right yeah
0: because because you 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 hear some people doing their speeches at the end and and they're like uh, you know who do you want next and they're like i don't even care i just want to fight like i just want to fight just as many fights as i can get like those people you hear that and you're like they that's what they want they just want to be in there they just they just want that adrenaline rush right
2: that's it they love they love the combat the they, they're a true warrior you know they don't care they don't care the name or the money or this or that they just want to do it for, for the love of the sport yeah
1: yep. i think i think if you are driven by the money it's probably going to get weeded out eventually mm-hmm. like i don't i don't think that's sustainable through an entire career like if you get beat up enough you might no. feel like ah it's not worth the money anymore i think that's what makes like like michael jordan and gsp special is that they're really not driven by the money like they're driven by being the best at what they love and that's yeah and for for jordan he just wanted to be the best at everything and i don't know what gsp is like in in those regards but that's what drove michael jordan and you can see it if you watch yeah. uh what was the sh- i forget the name of the show but you could see it in him yeah, like he wanted yeah, to be sure. the best at poker oh, yeah. and be the best at you know playing every single game and yeah that's what makes them special
2: you made me think of uh one of my fighters danielson i only have a uh, three three fighter uh no four, four pro fighters that i'm I'm coaching currently um the rest of our maybe around like 15, 15 20 amateur fighters um and uh, this this fighter danielson he fights in lethway you guys ever heard about that
1: Mm-mm, no
2: so 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 lethway get this lethway is headbutts are legal oh damn uh, um <laughs> It's all stand-up, so headbutts, elbows, bare knuckle, no gloves. And also no um, – so it's, it's two five-minute rounds, but also it's only to the knockout. So if, say, me and you, Josh, fight each other in Lethway and we can't knock each other out in 10 minutes, we both lose. Damn. <laughs> so what, what do you think that promotes? Oh, bro, man. And get this. Say I get you got down clean and you're out, you have one revival. Oh, so it's like a video game. You have a life. You So, so they'll, they'll pick you up, drag you in the corner, get that like salt thing under your nose, slap yeah. you around, wake you up and send you back out to fight, to oh fight again. God.
0: I think I did see that. How that was crazy. on a, that was on, there was like a documentary on Netflix or something, like some show where they went to different places of the world. And saw different yeah, forms of fighting, the Burmese
2: boxing, yeah, yeah Lethwei, yeah, the that's Burmese right. boxing. I did see. That. So, so you made me think of that when you said like, oh, it might not be worth it. Guys motivated by money. So Danielson goes to Slovakia to fight Lethwei rules, and uh, he did great. He had a crazy war fight, like nuts, nuts, nuts. I think he got like in one fight over like fifty some stitches, right? Like stitched right up from the <laughs> elbows, from the headbutts. I think he headbutted the guy and cut himself open too. So I was like, fuck. I do that and then uh and then i remember him telling me my his purse how much money he got and then i divided that by the stitches so literally he paid like something like 56 dollars per stitch or some shit like that <laughs> <laughs> and i look at him i'm like because i'm i'm like kind of his manager but kind of like he's like solo like does his own thing a bit because he's like old school fighter and like whatever like he always runs the fight by me it's, be like, is this a good idea or a bad idea? And, like, I act as a, a, a manager, but uh, but then I was like looking at him, like, bro, man, how long are you gonna keep doing this, bro? $56 a stitch, you know, like crazy. I hope he doesn't listen to this. I love you, Danielson.
1: Just for the record, did you tell him fighting in Slovakia was a good idea or a bad idea?
2: <laughs> uh, I said it was a good idea. Okay. Oh, and he's fighting a Slovakian guy, too, so damn, all right, yeah. I that's mean one. he almost won. He should have won.
1: Would you say 30 stitches?
2: Yeah, that he would... said he got around 30 40 stitches, yeah. Like con... and he got paid like I don't know, like 3000 bucks. So I don't do think people realize
1: <laughs> how many stitches 30 stitches is. Like oh, that was bad. 12 stitches would basically take me from like one side of my eye to the other. Like that would be 12. Yeah. So like th- that's like a third of my face basically. So like 30 stitches yeah. would be I was like that's like two three face. It was on t- he had he
2: had he had one on his face and two somewhere on his uh, on his skull. Man. yeah, sliced right up. <laughs> Lethway, Burmese boxing. Damn it's,
1: it's true what Stallone said in Rambo. Burm is a war zone.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a classic <laughs> classic Stallone. <laughs>
1: Damn.
2: Oh my god.
1: And for the love of the game for Danielson, for love, I yeah. suppose. Yeah.
2: Danielson, he does not do it for money. I tell you that much. <laughs> I guess not.
1: So uh, yeah. we're almost at, we're almost at time here, Mark. This, is bit, this has been a ton of fun. I uh, I actually learned a lot. I realize realized how little I know about uh, fighting, but this is, yeah, it's been great. Um, so what are your plans for the future? As far as you talked about, like you want to find somebody, but in the immediate future, you got any plans? You got anything you want to plug?
2: Um. Just keep working at the gym obviously rebuild now, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like in the future, like just focus on forward, be positive. Uh, try to be good to the community obviously and, and take care of all the, the new generation. You know, we have kids like sign up for a month or two and do training and then they quit. They go to another sport, this and that. And I just hope that, you know, they take the values of martial arts and our, our teachings and our training. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I teach them a self-defense technique that they use against the bully or this or that. And that could be for kids or Adults, right? Like you know, girls, guys, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, just you know, be a good, be a good leader in the community for my team. Uh, me and Papa Nick, my partner, like we've been together since uh, 2002. So it's been, it's been uh, quite the journey. He he's, he's the book writer. He's going to write a book on all our stories for sure. I, I hope anyways, cause I forget half of them, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, just, you know, keep on keeping on, keep, keep training the fight team and not like as a gym owner, like if you always focus on the fighters, like that's not where really the money is. Like you have to, you know, have the general public attend your classes and and then that's how you're going to have more students and not you know there's only one percent of martial artists that end up fighting right so that's that's a very small part of my job the other 99 percent is like focusing on the students and for them to lose 30 pounds or have that self-confidence or have that brotherhood sisterhood that we offer at the gym make friends like all that is like it's a it, it's it's pretty it's pretty nice it's, i would say it's as valuable or as nice as having one of my fighters win a big fight you know like that's that's fun but like all that that stuff is important so definitely like i'm still still chucking away at my fighters like i said i, I about i got about 20 of them and i want to take them to as far as they want to be uh so i'm I'm there for them and. If it happens for one of them to, to make it to the show, I'll be I'll be really happy. <laughs>
1: nice. And if people are in Ottawa, where can they find your gyms?
2: Uh, so right now we're at based out of Manitick, Orleans and Barhaven. Nice. And the name? Gracie Baja. So Gracie Baja is our team name. And then uh, and then so like like it's kind of like an umbrella that Gracie Baja is like our head of our gym for Jiu Jitsu. And then the Muay Thai program is the my own is like the my own curriculum and system. It's the Marcos Muay Thai. Very cool. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> little plug in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go,
1: buddy. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun.
2: Thanks, it was Mark. man i appreciate it. it was uh one of the best interviews i've done in a long time oh well that's <laughs> good to hear
1: <laughs> yeah thanks yeah appreciate it.
2: or sorry i wouldn't say interview podcast i actually you know what interviews are not that good podcast is more like low-key chill yeah i had a podcast in the ring too. That he set up the light and we're just shooting the shit and swearing and all that so i appreciate doing that again with you josh thanks for having me brother
1: yeah no problem buddy we'll see you soon